0: Every story is powerful to bring lost sheep into the fold of Jesus. All of our stories are being brought together for the great redemption story that Christ has for women that don't yet know him.
1: Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. And it is our 250th episode. (laughs) <laughs> can't I can't mean, believe it. I cannot believe it. And y'all, we have saved this episode for this day. Um, we're, it's a little bit different than what we normally do, but man, we're so excited to bring you a panel from Memphis of older storytellers who have come back.
2: I know, Robin, you know, when I first heard this story, I thought I want to save it for the 250th episode because it just so defines what Storytellers is about. You're going to hear these women talk about what it was like for them to share their story, but then also just how God has used their story to not only teach other people, but teach them more about themselves and most importantly, about who he is. It's what Storytellers is all about. And so I'm so thrilled for our listeners to hear this panel
3: I completely agree. I cannot believe that we are here for our 250th episode. And thank you so much to Memphis for putting together this incredible panel. And one thing that we want to boldly ask as we are sitting here in December looking at year-end giving is if Storytellers has ministered to you, if a story has spoken to you, Would you please consider donating to our ministry? We are listener funded. We are donor funded. And so just a simple $10 a month could make the biggest difference in allowing women literally all over the world to hear more stories about hope found in Jesus. So please partner with us today. You can simply click on the link below or go to our website at storytellerslive.org. Happy 250th episode and here's the Memphis panel.
4: This is such a a treat and a privilege to have these ladies back again. They each shared their their stories three, four years ago at this point. So all pre-COVID, is that right? Yeah. So this morning we're just going to hear from each of them a little update of maybe what's happened or where they are now from the time that they shared their story. And then also for them, thinking back to what it was like to write the story, what it was like to share the story, what it was like to connect with other people and with the Lord in the writing and the sharing of the story. So I hope that it is an encouragement to everyone here. Just to introduce them briefly, this is Kelly Turnage and she was, if you've not listened to her story, it's episode 85, Um, it was called, Called Out of the Wilderness, An Addict's Story. And then we have Brandi Miller. She was episode 60. <laughs> and her story is called Transforming Beauty. And then we have Nancy Holcomb, who's episode 55. And she's the prodigal mom. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Chancey Thompson. And I actually shared my story on Zoom during COVID. And then it, so I never shared it in a live gathering, but it was on the podcast episode 172, the result of remembering. If you want to listen to that, so just to get started, if you'll each give us a brief update on your life <laughs> brief <laughs> being the keyword, update on your life since you shared your story.
5: Good morning, everyone. I'm Kelly Turnage, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> this is when y'all say, Hey, Kelly, <laughs> I feel right at home now. <laughs> I am still a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, and I will be seven years sober on March 9th, so I think that um, that's first and foremost probably the the life update that I wanted to give. The Lord has been so incredibly faithful over the last few years. I was talking with my sponsor at lunch the other day. I was like, do you think they want to hear the hardships of the hard things that have happened, the aches and pains in life, the... Moving and starting a business, and just the grind of everyday life, or do you think they want to hear about like I've fallen more in love with Jesus and I have learned to have more compassion for myself and others? And life has grown to create more meaning, really. Since I mean, you think about COVID, my both that's what she said, (laughs) she said all that I went into a little more detail with her, but in all reality. That is what's happened. Life has gone on. We have gone through COVID. This city has seen tragedy. And we have come together. And we have really, hopefully, made the name of the Lord known in this city. And I know that He has come into my life in the last few years in a a more intimate way. That's what I feel in the last few years. It has become a more intimate walk with Jesus in that and through that. I do continue to share my story. I always continue to share my story because it's a gift. It's history. It is his story. It is no longer my story. It is his story. It is history. And as long as I hold it tightly, life is like hugging a cactus. (laughs) It is. I mean, we are only here for this short, brief moment. And what we do with that matters today. And so I have to live one day at a time and know that just this day, just this day, you have given me an opportunity to get out of self and go help other people and serve. I try to keep that mindset because it keeps me sober. If I just held on to this, if I'd only shared my story that one time and just moved on and hope that everybody got a kick out of it and had a good time. I don't know if I'd be sitting here sober today, three years later. It was three years ago this weekend that, um, that was the last Storytellers we did before COVID. What a blessing to be a part of this community and to know women like y'all who are, you know, in love with the Lord and want to go make his name known. So I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Good morning. Four years ago, when I shared my story, I didn't have to wear reading glasses.
0: <laughs> That's what I realized today when I... Yeah, thank you. Um, and echoing what she said, and I met Kelly through storytellers and really through her vulnerability. And if you have not listened to her story or just spent five minutes with her, you will go to a depth that you didn't even realize you could, which is one of the reasons I'm so thankful for storytellers is the, um, opportunity to be so vulnerable, uh, with one another And a little bit of an update, another thing I thought about, my daughter, I had just started a new job last time I shared, and my daughter, my oldest daughter, I have four children, my oldest was starting at a new school, and some of the women in this room helped me discern that decision about what school. But this year she is about to graduate from high school, so it's an exciting and sad season as well. (laughs) Another part uh, I had shared about, a ministry that I was hopeful in starting called Redeeming Beauty four years ago for young people based on having to learn some things the hard way in my own past. And COVID really, in some ways, shut that down and uh, changed uh, the direction that it would take. I'm a pastor's wife. And so these last few years with COVID and honestly, the tension that surrounded COVID, and then living in Memphis, with racial disparity and tension and hurt, profound hurt, and then just the political situation we find ourselves in is really hard for uh, ministry families. And so I did not anticipate that being a part of the story that I would have after I shared it at Share- Storytellers, but it's been a difficult season. And yet what she just said of sharing, of what does it look like to be faithful right now and honor Christ in our relationships. has. It, I've been had, had to go to a depth I didn't know and surrender thoughts and ideas I had. What I understand even to be the body of Christ and what does it look like to faithfully live in Memphis, Tennessee right now. And I love this city. Like I, I love being here. I love its beauty and I love its brokenness and we are so broken. And if anything, in God's grace right now, it's that has revealed more of our brokenness. And I pray that we will be a part of that reconciliation and faithfulness. But ironically, too, I had just started a job that opened, I was working for a counseling, faith based counseling clinic, and I have learned so much through that. So, part of Redeeming Beauty is I'm gonna start in the fall an integrative uh, theology and counseling uh, program to hopefully be able to work with teenage girls in a more intentional way. But now I've started a new job that's easier while I'm in grad school working for her daughter, who's here, Claire, who I just love too. So it's funny how you have this idea in your head four years ago, even of the sure direction I was taking and how so many different things took a turn, but it has plunged us to a depth of seeking to please Christ and be vulnerable and be open to our own brokenness in a deeper way. So We have the
6: same theme going on here. Life just never goes as planned. And how good it is that we don't know what tomorrow brings, but we know who brings us tomorrow. And I spoke on being the mom of a prodigal, thus the prodigal mom. And the only reason I had that privilege is because my son said, go for it, mom. And since then, he is um, six years sober this May, married a beautiful girl that we all a door, And he had told me right before Prodigal, the night before I did my story, that I asked if he had talked to her because he had dated her for a few months that year. And then they broke up and I said, um, have you heard from Christy? And he said, she, she asked me if I would meet her in Jackson. She wanted to share with me some of the things the Lord had been doing in her life. And he said, but I told her, no, I didn't think that was a good idea. And then the next week we all show up at the Ryman for Drew and Ellie's show and he has a date with Christy. <laughs> And she didn't think we would all be there. And Claire and I, and we're all looking at each other, Ellie, like we love her so much. <laughs> so after that one night, the next day, he said, I'm going to marry her. And then the Lord, she did not plan. She was not thinking that. And then they started dating, moved in with us. And oh, she uh, came to visit him spring break the night before the, the world shut down. And her office said, don't come to work. And we said, "You're you're living with us. So she took... Drew's room, Sam slept in the bunk room, Lori who worked for Claire was in that room and we moved mother in with us in the study. So we had six adults, three meals a day, the whole of COVID. And then that led me to realize what a commitment my daughter Claire had had living with my mother for six years. And we said, we can't, we can't do this anymore to Claire. She did an amazing job. I think if you want someone to keep you, let it be your granddaughter and not your daughter. <laughs> Because the Lord took me through the valley of the shadow. I adored my mother. My mother was who mentored me. My mother was who made me want to love Jesus. But the last year and a half, it was I found out that I had the heart of a murderer. And I still, no, I still adored her, but... The deafness and the moving slow, which, by the way, I will not live as long as she does. And Claire's going to have a real test with me. And so, because I'm already deaf. I didn't hear anything they prayed today because I forgot my hearing aids. And it's like the Lord, He doesn't do that. He won't punish me because of that. But I will echo what these women have said. If you are not fixing your heart and mind on Jesus, I just can't even imagine how you face another day. And the, the, read this last night, Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. I think that's what we're all saying. How is my life and my response to my life praising the name of Jesus? And to tell your story is a privilege. And every one of you has a story. And and it's a wonderful story, and you don't know the ending yet. <laughs> There's chapters that haven't been written. Sam's living with us right now with his two-month-old and 18-month-old, and they're putting their house on the market. And I told him, it was, he's a real neat-nick. I said, this is a very sweet time for a very short season, and we're loving being that. And Claire has five of my grandchildren. Um, Drew has three, and I have, so I have ten grandchildren. And it is the greatest joy I've ever had in my life. And then Ulti, um, our senior that we took on is a, an exchange student who's a um, Northwestern agent in Miami. They have two children. He came from my mother's funeral and went and saw the house two doors down from us after the funeral and didn't tell us. And came, the next week he said, I'm, we're moving to be your neighbors. So they're moving in after Claire gets the house all ship shape and cute. And um, they're moving in probably this fall. They've had their interview ex- ECS and he hemp was like, "Well, I'm not sure about that house. He, I'm not buying the house. I'm buying the neighbors." So that's where we are. We're just baby, basically babysitting all the time.
4: <laughs> so that's awesome. Thank y'all for for sharing. I want you to think back to when you were writing the story that you shared. I mean, we obviously all have a lot of stories or a lot of God's stories in the way He's working in our lives. Um, as you express the stories. Not over. It's never over. Um, but I want you to think about the process of writing the story you shared and how it
5: impacted your relationship with God as you wrote. Thanks, Chansey. Um, I heard some, it was a woman talk at a retreat probably several years ago. And she said, Do you go to the phone before the throne? And that was very impactful to me because I want to talk about it. I want you to listen. I want to share. I want us to, you know, chat. And there's something really magical when you put pen to paper. There's a process in recovery that I practice called an inventory. And you look back and you, you see where today have I been selfish, dishonest, afraid, resentful. What am I grateful for today today? You know, is there something that I've held to myself that I need to talk to someone else about? It's a process that when you put pen on paper, I begin to see, you know, my part in things, and I don't point fingers as much, and I'm able to see where God's working. I'm able to look back and say, wow, you have always been faithful. And so the magic of putting pen on paper is really, it's one of the, the hardest things to do. But for me, it was, it was truly magical. It really was, things come out of that pen that you just don't, that, that don't come out on a thumb or in your fingers when you type. So I really encourage everyone, if you've never put your story on paper, you'll be amazed to see God's goodness come through that pen, so thanks. A large part
0: of my story was from when I was in high school. And in high school, it was pre-social media and pre-the level of distraction, This is what I realized when I was writing my story, that I have even now as someone who tries to really limit my screen time and the screen time in my home. But part of how I was able to write my story was I had dozens and dozens of journals from starting when I was 13 years old, and, but I had not journaled in over a decade when I was asked to write my story. And the distraction, putting pen to paper, like what she just said, and setting aside the distractions to write and to think was a really neat process. And in part, what I realized when I was reading back through my journal, and I shared this in my story, I would ask God with such boldness for answers. I was very black and white, right? As a teenager, we're really black and white. And, and I was also emotional, black and white and emotional, teenage girl, <laughs> And it was just all through my journal, just reading through those things and seeing, but yet seeing how God, even if I asked in a way that was incorrectly theologically, like testing him with a scripture, right? Isn't We know that's not the way to use scripture and handle scripture, but y'all, he met me there. He met me in my limited understanding, which he's still meeting me in my limited understanding now in the journey. But I kept thinking Wherever we are in our journey, He is meeting us. And I was so encouraged to have to sit down and put those distractions away. But the other thing is, uh, in ministry, this season of discouragement, I kept thinking about when I was writing this story, and even when I was going to come and talk today, there's a passage in Psalm 77 that I went back to over and over again It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles long ago. I will consider all your works and I will meditate on all of your mighty deeds. It's a reminder as I sat and read through those journals. And even now, if God was at work when I was 14 and 15, when God was at work four years ago, when I thought I was on top of my game of being confident and sharing my story that then crashed (laughs) shortly after, he is at work now. And one of the ways that we're assured of that is to remember his goodness from the past. And I think this passage is probably talking about the large miracles of, you know, creation and faithfulness and forgiveness. But he's also talking about the details and the miracles of waking up every morning, right? And living another day with his new mercies. And so writing this story, one helped me desire again to not be distracted, but to focus on. And my, you know, I have a son who is 16 and he had a teacher recently at his school challenge him and he has a phone and but he, he came to me the day, he said, Mom, I'm going to start journaling every day about my day. And I was like, Levi, that will be so awesome for you as you become a, the young man that God's calling you to be. And it's been neat to see. And so just to be undistracted and to take that time to see how God was at work, is at
6: work, and will continue to be at work in our lives. This I'm taking notes of what they're saying, not what I want to say. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think the sweetest thing that the Lord has been the theme since writing my story. I have a hard time writing and sticking to it, and it was good for me to do that with my first storytellers. And I, too, am a journaler. And last night I started picking through some notes, and I was overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And I know I don't know where each of you are in your life. I always thought one day is good and one day is bad. This is a good day. It's been a good day. Today was a bad day. It was a hard day. And uh, and you know how at the beginning of a day things will start going crazy. And you go, this is going to be a bad day. And I some somewhere I heard a quote that life is not good day bad day. Life is two tracks. There are always good things in every day, and there are always hard things in every day. And what do you choose to set your mind on? On the hard things, we can praise God for them. That's the sacrifice of praise. And that's what he's been teaching me. With a grandmother, it's a life of interruption. And it's a sweet thing. And I love that old quote, his appointment, disappointment, disappointment, his appointment, change one letter, then I see. That's his will for me. And, um, The reason that I could tell my story was because my children have given me that freedom. I had, Brandy even said when she heard me speaking, Claire was in the room. She's like, she's saying some personal things about Claire. And that has been a sweet thing that my children have given me that. But it is their story. And as a role, as a grandmother and a mother, you have no idea the powerful place you play, not only in your own story, but in your children's story. And, and, and things that seem like really bad news from them, like they didn't make the second base p- team, or th- they're in the second string team instead of the first string team. And, or, or they got beat out in pitcher, and it's always their best friend and your best friend's child that beat him out. It's never a stranger. And then you have to be, I'm so happy for your child. <laughs> and um, everything that I feel like he has taught me since writing my story and still writing my story is that he is worth trusting. And I know you know the story of, uh, of uh, Fanny Crosby. She was born with sight, and the doctor put the wrong drops in her eyes, and it blinded her. And she has written more hymns in our old-timey hymn book than anything. And one of her hymns, last night, I was like, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Twill be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Me being broken, me being inadequate, same for all of us. Jesus came to give me life for my death so that I have his power to live with conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to walk in his presence. And... I think that's something I'm learning now more than ever is, Lord, am I listening to you and not to the lies of shame or you shoulda, or you're not doing anything creative except for babysitting, but it's, it's what lies am I believing, but more what truth am I living? I believe that it's a sweet thing. And I believe that what Kelly said, this day is a gift. I think we have like 80 something thousand seconds in a day. And every one of them is done at the end of the day. We don't get to redo those seconds. And it's a gift from the Lord. And he is the God of time that gives it to us. And he's teaching me to praise him in those seconds.
4: Thank y'all for that encouragement and those reminders. Um, My story is actually called the result of remembering and how quickly we forget how important it is to look back and remember and see God's faithfulness and his goodness and his love it really turns your heart to gratitude. And so thank y'all for that. I want you to to think back to when you initially shared your story. So there was the writing and then there's the sharing both in person and then when it was released on the podcast and people all over the world um, listened to it. What was that like? How did that impact your relationship with God? How did that maybe impact relationship with others? And then Also, was there anything surprising or that you didn't expect?
5: It's a lot of questions to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? (laughs) Well, let me start with, I got a Nancy, that was so beautiful what she just shared. And it just made me think about, I thought, you know what, if I could sum up, because I love old hymns. And I think if I could sum up the last few years, it would be, there's a, a quote and a hymn that, you know, that talks about the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That is exactly how life has been the last few years. Things have been hard. Life has gone on and God has still been sovereign and he's still been so merciful. I had shared my story a lot since before I shared it at Storytellers, but I had not shared it on a platform like Storytellers and that was made so public. And it was a, for me, it was an opportunity that I constantly have to remember that this is an opportunity that I used to say for my good and his glory, it doesn't even matter if it's for my good anymore. If it's for somebody else's good, it's going to be for his glory. And it was a, it was really fun too, um, just to, to, get it all out there. There are no secrets. There are no secrets. I am completely accountable to everybody that knows me, knows that I'm sober. And if I relapse, Lord, help me put my picture on a billboard at Poplar and 240 and tell the whole world that I'm drunk because I need help every day. I don't think about picking up a drink anymore. It's not what I think of as a solution to the aches and pains and, of life. Um, but being a recovering addict, people say, why do you still go to meetings? Why do you still sponsor people? Why are you still sponsored? Why do you still work the steps to remember, to give back, to serve others, to get out of myself? If God gave me this gift of sobriety... And said, here, this is a secret. You hold on to it because I've done something so beautiful in your life. You were on your deathbed. You were what the doctor said, mostly dead, but slightly alive. And there's got to be a reason that you've been given a second chance in life. I promise you that chance is not for me to hang on to it and not tell anybody. That chance is for me to share what God has done in my life so that others have an opportunity to know him to know that even today, he is still the miracle worker. He still works miracles. I don't know how my sweet mother, who's sitting right here, drove down to Austin, Texas on March 9th when I was found mostly dead and in a coma on my bathroom floor, but she got in the car and she drove to Austin, Texas in the rain, in the storm, like a mother, only a mother. I have no idea how she made it down there. And she walked in, and she saw her daughter hooked up to life support, and there was not much chance of me making it out of that. And God came in, and he said, I've got something else (laughs) planned for your life. I promise you, when I was 16 years old, I did not think to myself, I can't wait to grow up and be a raging drunk (laughs) and wake up in places where I had no idea how I got there for years on end. 10 solid years that I drank and drugged my way through life. And there'd be silver linings. I still love Jesus. And I still became a raging alcoholic. How in the world did that happen? It was part of God's plan for my life that one day I would sit here and share with y'all that it is not about me. (laughs) My story is not about me. It's about God, and it's about his love, because I read this, I'm reading this, I'm a little late to the game, I heard about this book several years ago, and I didn't read it, but it's called Gentle and Lowly, and it's about the heart of Jesus, and this may sound, if you're listening here or listening on the podcast, you might think to yourself, if my life is any evidence of the mercy of God in Christ, you might think, I'm not impressed. To you, I say, the evidence of Christ's mercy towards you is not your life. The evidence of his mercy towards you is his. Mistreated, misunderstood, betrayed, abandoned, eternally in your place. It means the things about you that make you cringe the most make him hug you the hardest.
0: Thank you, Kelly. Mm -hmm. The first thing I put with sharing my story was that it was really fun And the second thing I put is that it enabled me to be more vulnerable with others. And one of the others was Kelly. And um, just a quick sidebar is after I had shared my story, which is not as extreme or extravagant as hers, but yet important. And so for those of you that haven't gone through, know that every story is powerful to bring lost sheep into the fold of Jesus. All of our stories are being brought together for the great redemption story that Christ has for women that don't yet know him, which is why he's given us ours. But Kelly and I, I didn't even, we didn't even realize our sons were in school together and it was at a basketball game and I was climbing up to the top bleacher to go sit with my husband and this woman I didn't know grabbed my arm and goes, are you Brandy? Did you give your story? I'm giving mine. I'm an addict. (laughs) It was just like, I was like. In this loud gym, basketball gym, you know? And so I ended up sitting next to her for a minute and met her. But that, and right away, and then later after she shared her story, I saw her at a gas station pumping gas. And 10 minutes later, we were both with tears in our eyes. I got in my car and cried after 10 minutes with her pumping gas at a gas station. Because we had just so quickly talked about what matters and um, were able to share with what it meant to share my story is it was a reminder of the gift of the story. That, And it's not just a gift. It, it is, it's, it's our duty is the wrong word. It's our calling. It's, our life is a living sacrifice. Our story of how God has worked is what can help bring other people to know Jesus. And my husband and I talk a lot. We've, invite, we've lived here for 13 years. We've invited so many people to come to a Sunday morning worship service. And we've had so many people say no. We've never been told no to dinner. Would you come and have dinner in our home? Would you meet me for coffee? Would you take a walk with me? And it's because we're wired for intimate, safe relationships, and that is where Jesus can be proclaimed. And so your story is what can lead someone, your, your heartache, your struggle, and your joy, and your success, especially as women, we can be very vulnerable with each other in that and maybe then they come to the actual formal service, or maybe they don't, but they can meet Christ through that. And so sharing my story, and I, a lot of storytellers here in Memphis know each other. A lot of them are from the same worshiping body. I hardly knew anyone. So that morning I walked into all these good looking women, you know, and they're all eyes and I'm sharing a bu- to a bunch of strangers. And I, I just, i remember I was sitting there and I looked out at one point and saw tears and saw nods. And felt a connection with sisters I had never met. And I was so grateful for that. And then since then, I have met people that have said, oh, I listened to your story. And they've asked questions about what would you do if your daughter has a Finsta account or whatever it is that that we're struggling with, with daughters and their image and their bodies and understanding their identity. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has been been beautiful for God to open those doors that that vulnerability is there out in the community. So I really enjoyed that. But it, it's, a, it's a part of our calling um, to share. But y'all, it is really fun too. It really, it feels, I know like I'm an extrovert, so I like talking and I like being in front of people. But even if you don't, it is, this is an affirming group that you can sit and be vulnerable and expect that in return. Uh, so that that process was really beautiful and it ended up, I gained some really sweet friendships with women I normally would not have um, gotten to know.
2: Beauty
6: before age. This is precious. (laughs) Kelly, I was at your parents the night before your mother drove down to Austin, and we sobbed and prayed and cried out to the Lord. And that's another reason for your story. Your story is so intertwined with other people's lives. I have parents that come up to me and they go, I cannot thank you enough for your son, Sam. And I don't know what he's done because he doesn't tell me As, as a... Uh, who he's talking to, what, uh, which one of their children he's talking to. And anything in your life that's keeping you locked up with a secret that you don't want to tell is, is really the enemy in a lot of ways because the transparency that Kelly and Brandy have shared, and I'm really a prodigal mom. I had plenty of things I could share about my own mess ups, but... I thought that I was going to have four children who love Jesus and did everything right. And it was my goal to do that, to make them that way. And the Lord had to strip me bare. I got, if you had called me before, um, after, after our son that was special needs died, I began to fall apart and I got breast cancer. And then I, for a year began to not be able to speak correctly. And I would, say, Hamp, I think you're trying to kill me. You're poisoning me. There's something in me that's poisoning me. And then I had celiac, finally was diagnosed with celiac. But the Lord knew that I was one of the most self-righteous people that ever lived. Now, you might not have known that because I'm a people pleaser and I wanted you to love me and love Jesus. But if you told me you had a migraine and went to bed, I'm thinking you aren't reading your Bible, honey. You just need to read your Bible. Or if you told me you had this allergy to food or that allergy to food, I'm like, you're just trying to get attention. And so God literally took my tablecloth of my beautifully set table and stripped me bare. And I truly, literally got to the place where I didn't care what was wrong with me. I just wanted God to finish his work. And I think my children can say I'm not the same person. I mean, we would watch TV and I'd say, spot the lie. And Ham finally said, could we like spot the truth? Because a lot of... uh, (laughs) because a lot of heathens are making these shows and there's a lot of good truth in it that they don't even know is truth. I can remember Claire wanting to read a Seventeen magazine and going up into her room and saying, "This, look, at this is evil, this is evil, this is evil. This is why they're trying to, and, oh, gosh, I think you're a miracle, Claire Holcomb. I could do a Storytellers on how you try to ruin your daughter and God by his grace... It is all by his grace. And I'm telling you, people, and our son, Drew, that's a musician, they go, just, just feels so surreal watching him. I'm going, it feels like nothing but a miracle. In spite of me, I remember him being on the roof, cleaning out the gutter, and I'm going, you should just go work at McDonald's. That is all you need to do to get this arrogant spirit out of you. I mean, I've had to ask every one of my children to forgive me. And you know, you may need to do the same thing. Because you don't have all the answers. You never will have the answers. And when you do, God's going to flat out <laughs> expose it. <laughs> I think it's one of the reasons I still struggle with my weight. Because as soon as I lose a pound, I start looking at my fat friends going, they're just not doing it like I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm so self I mean, it's like, Lord, do, do I always have to learn the hard lesson? The, uh, this week I was reading in Jeremiah, and it said the Lord the Lord sent his children, Israel into Babylon. They couldn't worship him. They couldn't do any of their laws. They they couldn't even speak the language. And he said, he sent them in there. And the Hebrew actually means he carried them into the land of exile. So I love your 13 year old journal. And it's, it was because he had a story he was writing in Kelly's life. He carried her and, and some people don't like to hear that Well, God allows pain or God allowed you to be raped or abused as a child, he could have prevented it. So ultimately he is God. And Spurgeon says the sovereignty of God is the soft pillow you lay your head on. And I'm watching loved ones go through loss and that we don't have the answers why, but we do know that God is sovereign. And Margaret McDaniel, my mother's best friend who had a very seriously handicapped child, she told me once the sovereignty of God is not that great of a comfort until you know the second thing, which is he's all sufficient. And then the third thing is that he's all loving. So what doesn't look good in your life, like having a son that's out on the road driving and you don't know where he is or where he's going or a teenage daughter looking at things, we cannot know it all. We, we literally, but we know the same Holy Spirit that grabbed our hearts is able to grab theirs. And we do not we cannot live in fear. Fear is never from God. 366 times, do not be afraid. And fear is in the Bible, one for leap year, one for every day of the year. Uh, we, we cannot live in fear. And I, I think we get out of that. My story has showed me when people come up to me is is to say, it's all God, and he is worthy to be praised.
4: I hate to wrap up because we could sit here all day and just, that's what's so powerful about being together and I know that we can all relate to something that one of y'all said and just that connection that we have with each other as the body of Christ. And also just remembering, like we've said before, how good God is and how much he loves us and how faithful he is and how sovereign he is. It's just amazing and so powerful to be in a room where we can can be reminded of that and to know that we are not alone, that we have so many similar struggles even. Um, And we're not alone because God loves us, but we're also not alone because he's given us each other, which is incredible. So as we wrap up, I just want you to tell the group what you would say to someone who might be at this
5: point considering writing a story. Well, there's something about It was mentioned earlier, the intimacy we were created for, Brandy said, we're created for safe, intimate relationships. And I was taught that that intimacy is into me, see, you can see into me. Mm. And I just, I think about the women that are in recovery with me when I, when they first share with me things about their story and they don't even realize that's what they're doing, but they're talking about things that have happened. Things that they did when they were drinking. They they go back in time. We start with when they were young. And they start sharing, this is this is how my life went. And I'm able to say, I understand. I've been there too. Me too. It really just takes the... the oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Because we all are in recovery from something. <laughs> so it just... It's such a relief. It really is to know that we are not alone. And if COVID taught us anything, it's that we can all isolate pretty well if we want to. I know I did, but we are created for safe and intimate, that intimacy. And so if you're thinking about it, you know, just remember it's, it's not even about you. You know, if you, for me, I have to, I have to share my story in order to stay sober. But more importantly, if it's for your good and it's for God's glory, then sign me up. So, thanks for asking me to share. If you're thinking about writing your story,
0: then you should do it. (laughs) Uh, And you start by just writing, putting away everything that's distracting. And even if you're not thinking about writing your story, you should do it. And just start writing today, tomorrow, just a few minutes, thoughts that you have, struggles that you're having. And I love what she just said because your story is going to minister to someone, and that—that's why we're here, is to love God and love others. When Lynn, the former storyteller, Lynn is who uh, had asked me to to share my story, and so to start, I then listened to some. Uh, it was started in Birmingham, so those were really the only ones I could find to listen to at the time. Many of them deal with really large things and difficulty, and loss, and struggle. Um so I went back to Lynn and said I don't I haven't had to endure something like that. Other things, right? But she said your story is your story and it can minister to someone. Um so I had to have that nudge. Um and I was just thinking about today when I came to talk to y'all about if you are a teacher trying to be a faithful teacher and a mom to young children and a good wife that story will minister to someone who's weary right? Uh, if you're trying, if you have had to go back to work full time and your kids have to go to daycare and other moms don't like that about you, that you should be trusting God more, that story will minister to someone. Your story is unique to the redemption that God has for you and the glory he wants to receive from you. And it will minister to someone. So it's really our privilege to help take the hand of another woman and walk them towards the throne And because I think the goal, I don't know what the objective of storytellers, but I sure hope it's that a lot more women are in heaven with us. (laughs) So if that's the goal, then let's, we can be on the rooftops talking about the most mundane and the most difficult and the most glorious so that others might know him.
6: I'll, I'll just say, close this up with every book that has ministered to me besides scripture. There have been anointed supernatural times and it's somebody's story that I read. Jesus Calling, Streams in the Desert, um, Edges of His Ways, I want to close with this, and it has to do with writing a story. She was a missionary to India, never had her own children, and she was injured in her 50s and couldn't run the orphanage anymore physically, but she did it from her bed, and she wrote all her writings when she was suffering. And this came to her in the mail one day. It was written by a leper. His hands are gone, and he writes with a pen tied onto his stump. And so If you think I can't write a story, you can. I would not change one little jot of his dear will for me, but in my weakness I would go, entrusting all my load of woe to him who walks with me. When any of us feels inclined to grumble about trifles, let us think of that leper. There is nothing better for our ease-loving souls than to be made thoroughly ashamed of ourselves. And I think one day at a time is how you do it. That leper wrote very slowly and one day at a time so if you can't sit down and write your story in one setting start it a little bit at a time it's going to be a sweet heritage for your children I found my mother's old I've never wanted to read her journals and I found an old journal the other day and sat and read through it and I was amazed at how busy she was (laughs) I was like she really was a great woman mainly because of all my husband my dad expected her to do but your story is precious and as Brandy and Kelly have said It's going to touch somebody's life.
2: As I mentioned at the beginning of this, there is so much wisdom, first of all, through this. I even went through and wrote down a lot of what was said through it. I love what Brandy said at one part in her story where she said, I really hope storytellers' goal is to have more people in heaven. Uh-huh. And I, I thought, yes, <laughs> that that really it is our goal. And you know, as Lindy mentioned, even at the beginning, you know, first of all, it's our 250th episode. To God be the glory. I cannot believe that He has given us this opportunity to do this ministry. But at the same time wow, this ministry is growing, and we're just trying to keep up with (laughs) with the growth. And so that's why we do, as Lindy said, boldly ask for you to come alongside and partner with us because we want more people in heaven. And honestly, (laughs) these stories are reaching women on a different level than anything else because it's speaking directly to their hearts of how God is in the details of their lives. I mean, it's just like Brandy said, you know, our stories bring sheep into the fold. And we hope that over these past 250 stories that you have found a characteristic of God that you never knew, or you've seen Him in the details of your life, and that's why we want you to partner with us so that we can send that message along to so many other women who don't know the Lord.
1: Yeah, and to hear how God has used every single one of their stories in so many different ways. And I love that it was a variety of Mm -hmm. stories. There was a parenting, there was an addiction, (laughs) there was kind of an everyday story that we love on beauty. Mm -hmm. And just to hear how God has used each and every one of those stories, not only for them writing it, because I loved hearing, and we'll talk about this a little more in the Continuing the Conversation, I know, over on Patreon, but hearing just how God spoke to them when they wrote their stories, and then how... God used their stories and the lives of so many other women around them. It's incredible to think that that's happened 250
3: times over. It's amazing. And I loved hearing about the community being built. Uh, The story of of Brandy running into Kelly at the basketball Mm, game and just how she said, it just allowed me to be more vulnerable. And that's also one of our our values and part of our vision and our mission is that we want to build community among women. We want women to remove their masks and be able to be transparent with each other and really walk alongside each other, which is what the Lord designed. I mean, he wants us to live in community with others. Absolutely. I mean, that is one of our pillars is community being built. And,
2: you know, as I said, there's so much wisdom that was just gained through their reflection and we are gonna do a continue the conversation over on Patreon because of that because there's so much we want to talk yeah. about and we're also going to give our Patreon insiders a little glimpse into what it's like to discover your story with Robin and we're gonna interview her a little bit about how she helps our storytellers find their stories. So if you're not a Patreon member scroll down join Patreon today And we'll see you over there. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for donating. Thank you for supporting.
1: Thank you for sharing our stories. And thank you for listening for 250 episodes. Have a great week. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.